Hello, and welcome to our Risk Mitigation and Management podcast series. My name is Ryan Rolfson, and I'm a partner at Robeson Gray in our litigation and enforcement practice. I'm here today by my D.C.-based government enforcement partner, Alex Renee, and Mike Monroe, who's the Director of Global Outreach and Board Advisor to Odebrecht Engineering and Construction, and formerly the Chief Compliance Officer of Odebrecht Engineering and Construction, headquartered in Brazil. Today, we'll be looking at some of the international risk areas facing companies in Latin America and Brazil. Starting with Mike, but certainly between the three of us, we have extensive experience with developing strategies and implementing best practices to mitigate risks in the region. I'd like to start off by asking you both briefly to describe your experience working in Latin America. Uh, Alex, why don't we start with you? Thanks, Ryan. So I've been handling matters um, in uh, Latin America and the Caribbean for about 11 years, 11 to 12 years. Um, The matters range from internal investigations uh, to um, government-facing investigations, so so all sorts of, of due diligence for some of our clients. Uh, throughout the region. Uh, I'm currently the uh, monitor for a company uh, based in uh, Brazil uh, with operations all over the world. Thanks, Alex. Uh, Mike, Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background? uh, Sure. Uh, First, I really appreciate the opportunity to participate uh, in in this discussion. Uh, I've uh, had had the fortunate opportunity to to work in Latin America for almost 30 years now, uh, beginning when I Started with Dow Chemical. Um, I'm, I'm giving my age away here, but uh, again, I worked in Latin America for, for a long time. And then the other global companies that I've worked for since then all have had uh, pretty significant operations in, in Latin America. And two years ago, I was asked to, to join Odebrecht in Sao Paulo, Brazil, as uh, the Odebrecht's uh, first chief compliance officer. So that leads, uh, Mike, to an interesting question. So as in your role as a chief compliance officer of Odebrecht as well as your new role, you know, what are the main things that really are important and, and perhaps even keeping not only you but other companies that are operating uh, in Brazil and Latin America up at night uh, in the last few months, so, you know, sort of hot topics at the top of your mind? Well, I think it's uh, similar to the, the challenges and, and risks that uh, companies face in, in many other parts of the world. Where, where there has been uh, a history of, of challenges and, and corruption challenges. And as we all know, that is, uh, unfortunately, many parts of the world where, where um, uh, global companies face those issues. So it, it really is the, the same. Um, the, what's positive, though, about Latin America and what we've seen the, the past few years, and, and uh, to be honest, I think a lot of it did start with Lava Jato, although there was a movement in certain uh, countries even prior to that, uh, there, there really has, has been much more of a, of a focus, and, and there's been much more opportunities for, for companies and individuals uh, to, to be open uh, about corruption and, and to address uh, corruption. Uh, the risk is still there. Uh, you'll always have the, the demand side, uh, like I said, in, in many parts of the world. Uh, but, but again, from a positive side, there's, there's, there's real movement. Uh, but no question, the, the risk of corruption is, is still real in, in many parts of Latin America, like it is in many parts of the world. And Mike, what are you seeing in terms of um, both the legal environment as well as sort of the enforcement environment? Um, how has it been evolving from your perspective the last few years uh, in Brazil and Latin America in general? Hey, and again, I, um, we'll just continue to point to where things are at, at globally. Um, there, there clearly has been an ongoing increase in enforcement actions. There's been more and more countries that uh, are addressing corruption. There's uh, better and, and more laws. 
there, there there's just really the the, the realization uh, that that you cannot, you should not do business uh, based based on corruption. Um, the discussion that people continually have regarding you know cooperation between you know the government prosecutors around the world that that is real and and of course Odebrecht is, is a perfect example of, of how real that is with with the settlements that that we've had uh, they're almost completely coordinated settlements and timing that Odebrecht had in in Brazil in the United States and in Switzerland. And since then, uh, we've entered into a series of, of, of other settlements uh, with, with the countries where we had admitted to, to bribery. So there, there's no question that there's increased enforcement, and, and, and what people talk about is cooperation between prosecutors are real, and, and people definitely are, are much more serious and much more focused. And now there are real examples like, like Odebrecht uh, that people can look at. So, Mike, uh, one of the more recent announcements uh, out of the U.S. Department of Justice in the last month or so was Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein's statement that the DOJ would formally have a policy that it would try to avoid piling on uh, with resolutions. In other words, that uh, when there are multi-country investigations into one company's conduct, uh, that the U.S. would be trying uh, to avoid, as a matter of policy, having duplicative fines simply paid by two or three or four countries, just you know, in effect, you know, repeating the same fine over and over again. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, sure. Uh, for, first of all, I think it's it's very positive that uh, the Department of Justice and and I, I believe other uh, uh, government prosecutors as well see the, the real need to to address that issue. Uh, what what's been um, a good. Uh, about the, the Odebrecht situation is, is that uh, countries have, have really been trying to uh, address um, this issue of corruption in many countries for the first time. Uh, but because of that, you know, the, the issue of duplicative uh, penalties it has, has been real, and, and, and it's, it's been, of course, negative for, for Odebrecht as it tries to do the right thing and, and be transparent and, and address these issues. So I, I, I think that that's very positive. And I think it's it's really going to help the uh, what I would call the global anti-corruption agenda, encouraging uh, companies to come forth and, and address these issues in an open and transparent way. Alex, um, you know, leading off that point of cross-border cooperation, what are you seeing in your practice in terms of cross-border cooperation, not only you know between the U.S. and Brazil and other Latin American countries, but even within Latin American countries directly? Yeah, you know, Ryan, I think what, what we've been hearing for many, many years, um, you know, this, this idea of cross-border cooperation between uh, various jurisdictions. And, and to be honest, you know, we sort of never really knew what, what, what was truly happening. But I do think that uh, since Lava Jato um, and post-Lava Jato, you've just seen a tremendous amount of cooperation, specifically uh, in Brazil, uh, between the Brazilian prosecutors and the U.S. prosecutors, but also between um, Latin American countries. Um, you know, pro one prosecutor in one Latin American country um, working with others um, in, in the same region um, because it works. They, the, the proof is in the pudding, as they like to say. Uh, and the results um, have borne this, this, this era now of cross-border cooperation that may have really started with the U.S. taking the lead and working with Brazil, 
um, or with Mexico, but now has really spread throughout the region. Uh, so we are seeing uh, um, you know, a number of instances um, where um, the, the, the tactics used by prosecutors in these various jurisdictions mirror what the U.S. authorities have been doing for years as it, as it relates to um, cooperation and um, flipping of witnesses, as we like to say, uh, in working your way up a tree to get to the highest um, accountable person. So, you know, I think the answer now is um, this cooperation, uh, uh, this cross-border cooperation is a real thing uh, in Latin America. You know, and, and uh, Alex and, and Mike, one thing that uh, obviously the cooperation may lead to is a resolution. One of the prominent features of uh, anti-corruption-related resolutions the last two years has been a lot of monitorships have been imposed on companies uh, around the world, but also in particular in Latin America. Uh, uh, Mike, as you noted, uh, uh, your company is currently subject to a monitor. Um, what, what are the most, Mike, what are the most significant challenges you have faced in terms of, of having being under a monitorship for a company moving forward and what are the opportunities you've also seen so uh the the first clarification which is which is important is uh, i i uh work for order Brush engineering construction uh we, we actually have have two monitors we, we have a u.s appointed and a brazilian uh, appointed uh, monitor which I, I i believe is unique and uh what, what has been very positive about that is is both monitors have have worked very closely together in in, in ensuring that uh, you know we're complying with our settlement obligations and in implementing the right type of compliance program. So that's that's a, a bit unique. In addition, the Odebrecht family of companies, uh, there, we have another subsidiary that that has a separate uh, a monitor. So Odebrecht as a whole actually has. Uh, three different monitors, two from the U.S. and and one from Brazil. Just as a clarification, uh, there's as as typical, there are so many good things uh, about monitorships, and of course, you know, challenges and um, a, a lot of work that 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 needs to be the, uh, done internally uh, to to ensure that the monitors are getting the information they need, to uh, getting the the input. Uh, that, that, that is helpful uh, to the company and going forward. Uh, but I, I don't see, uh, and, and I know us on the line, we've worked with uh, monitors in many parts of the world for, for a number of years. It, to me, it's, it's been the same. It's, it's you know, always the, the give and take. It's, it's always uh, working in a respectful way, uh, both ways, and, and, and making sure that, you know, the, the company's open and, and that the, the monitor's open and, and, and we work together because our, our goal is the same. And the company's goals and, and the monitors, all we want is to ensure that the company is never again involved in, in corruption, as well as the company ultimately becomes an example, a model, and, and helps other companies uh, get, get to where they need to be. So, so that, that's been my experience with the monitors at, at Odebrecht. And, and then again, it's similar to, to other monitorships I've, I've seen. Does having a monitor, you know, in your role as a in your chief compliance officer role, uh, or in a uh, strategic advisor role, does that can that ever help uh, internally in terms of trying to change, um, you know, tone, mindset, processes, procedures, those sort of things, or or do you find that 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 really um, it's it's more of a you know audit function or more of a, a checking function to make sure those things are in place? I I think it can be very helpful and. 
and and it's just uh, you know similar uh, to the concept of of companies who have not had uh, corruption issues or, or problems in, in the past. It's sometimes difficult to get uh, the leadership of those companies, in particular board of directors, focused on on a particular issue. When when you have a monitor, it's easy. Uh, it's it's very clear. Uh, the, the company has committed from the board level. Uh, on down to to comply with settlement agreements, to listen to the monitors, to again have appropriate um, back and forth, and, and so it's it, it can be very very positive uh, with with uh, having a, a third party involved. It's like you know, having independent auditor involved, things like that. There's there's just the ability for the company to to get good information, to get support, and and to move forward in the right way. As a practical matter, as you've gone through this process, I'm curious if you have any 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 tips or any anecdotes or anything you can share as to how you you would help change you know culture or respond to questions. I could see a scenario where um, and you know a company after having had a number of set you know practices and procedures over a long period of time, or maybe not having a lot of practices or procedures over a long period of time, then introducing those to, you know, its entire organization may receive a lot of questions or pushback or why am I doing this or, 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 or we're going to lose business. How do you address those sort of things? Uh, just it takes a, a lot of time, uh, of course, and uh, focus. And there's, there's no question, I think, uh, everyone would agree, uh, really that the best way to have those types of discussions to address those issues, uh, unfortunately, from a travel schedule and time, it takes time. But it really is in person. So uh, all, all, all of these types of uh, discussions, webcasts, uh, you know, are, are helpful and positive, and good information can be disseminated. Uh, what is really required, and, and that's what, what I did the first uh, year and a half at Odebrecht, uh, spent uh, virtually an entire time on the road visiting our projects, you know, building the right team, and spending time with people. As you said, people need to. You know, understand what's happening. Uh, they also need to understand why it's happening, and and they need to see the benefits. Uh, good news is uh, compliance programs and uh, these types of cases have been around now for 15, 20 years, and, and so there's so many examples that that we can give the people as to successes that that other companies have, and, and that that really helps a lot. But doing that in person, looking people in the eye. Uh, responding to their questions is, is really the way to go. Alex, um, at a high level, from your perspective, what are monitors looking for in a company that has had issues, has resolved, has admitted to them, and is looking to improve and move forward? Are there particular um, items that monitors are looking for to establish that a company has changed and is prepared to do business ethically and, and, and in a way that would be appropriate from not only the monitor's perspective, but also the DOJ or the SEC or other enforcement authorities' perspective? Yeah, um, Ryan, that's a very good question. I think following up on a point that, that Mike uh, mentioned, um, you know, the, the having a third party, uh, the monitor is is comes in, and this is not an investigation. Um, monitors are are independent third parties who really are you know they're not hired by the company and 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 they're not representatives of the DOJ. They are really put in place to 
to really provide sort of an objective view of, of where the company stands at, at a given state and time and, and how it can move forward and, and improve. Um, and so one of the things that I think you, you want to look for is you know, something as simple as policies and procedures, right? Um, are there actual policies and procedures in place? Um, try to gauge if you can if they are properly if they are properly tailored um, for the risks um, associated with the type of business um, that that you're dealing with. And because as we all know and we hear it all the time, there is no such thing as a one size fits all. So we want to make sure that there are policies and procedures in place that are adequate um, for the risks faced by um, a particular business. I think. Um, from my perspective, one of the most important things and one of the hardest things um, to, to, to sort of figure out during the monitorship process is culture, um, because I, I think that's where it starts uh, and ends uh, to a degree, um, is trying to figure out what sort of culture the company has. And by culture, I mean compliance culture. Um, and one can lay down all the rules that they want. You can have all the policies and procedures and that, 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 that you want in place. But if you do not have a workforce that is willing to live uh, and breathe um, those policies and procedures, and it becomes much more of a, of a genetic makeup of, of the individuals that make up the company, then your chances for success are diminished. So as a monitor, one of the things that I try to assess is, you know, does the company get it, not just from the top, you know, the top ranks, obviously, tone at the top is very important, but um, are the folks throughout the organization um, on the same page as it relates to compliance? Um, do they have, for example, folks in the finance function who can serve as gatekeepers um, and really serve as fiduciaries to the company? Um, to the organization to make sure that things are progressing and following a path that it that they should. Uh, so those are the sorts of things. Those are the sorts of areas. Those are sort of the soft um, areas that that um, you know one looks at to see whether or not a company is truly um, committed to uh, a, you know, cultural compliance, as I like to call it. Alex, those are all really excellent points, and I think leads to a, a question for for Mike. When we're talking at a high level about bringing about this cultural change, um, whether you you call it you know tone at the top, tone at the middle, or just you know enterprise wide culture, uh, I know it's something that that you've had to to address in, in your roles uh, at the company. Um, how do you, how do you do it? How do you practically go about from the inside starting to assess? Uh, the, the tone at the company, not only from the CEO statements, but you know, all the way down to the frontline sales organization, and then the, the gatekeepers and, and legal and finance, and, and 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 then how do you how do you go about practically trying to trying to move that in a positive direction? All businesses have um, uh, cultures, uh, as as we know, it's just it's just like law firms. So uh, people can step back, and and there's lots of you know consultant people that that will assess uh, a culture of a particular organization. And I think in many cases, and you know, I've I've been involved in a number of those assessments. It happens to be you know very accurate. Uh, 
what what are the priorities for that particular you know company? Is, is that company you know for example uh, a company that has a, a safety culture or an environmental stewardship culture, uh, sustainability culture? You know, it, it does that company have a people culture or or not? So uh, the, the the whole issue of, of culture, I personally believe comes down to priorities and, and focus. Is compliance, in, in particular, in, in the area that, that, that uh, I've worked in most, the anti-corruption area, is that a priority and focus of the people throughout the organization from, from the top down? I, I mentioned briefly the, the issue of uh, safety and environmental stewardship. There's so many companies, great companies, that truly have uh, safety cultures. And, and, and so what we can do, and, and what I've done at Odebrecht and all the other companies I've worked at, uh, what we can do is make the compliance culture uh, similar to, for example, the, uh, the culture of safety and sustainability that, that already exists in, in many other, uh, in particular manufacturing and chemical-type companies. So it, it really is just getting people at all levels to understand that this is a priority, this is a focus, there is zero tolerance, just like you cannot have a fatality, you cannot have a bribe. Um, and, and so that, that type of focus on, on safety uh, and, and um, sustainability uh, that many companies uh, have, have had over the years, that similar focus uh, needs to be done, and in fact it has been done, uh, in, in the anti-corruption area. So it really is uh, a matter, I believe, of focus and priority. And once people understand that at all levels of the organization, it does become a way of life, and, and that's what it has to become. Mike, in your experience, um, have you uh, found a way to include um, compliance as um, part of uh, determining compensation? So in other words, incentivizing in a, in a monetary manner um, compliance-related activity uh, to help drive that, that cultural uh, uh, change in priority? Uh, certainly, and that that is is, is part of uh, what what was done at Odebrecht from, from really uh, the very beginning. Odebrecht has has a very strong uh, people development, you know, annual performance review process, and it's on a rolling three years. The very first year uh, of our compliance program, we, we made compliance KPIs as, as part of the compensation. Uh, and, and, and it continues uh, to, to this day. So that, that is very important, just like similarly, uh, many uh, large companies who are focused on safety will have safety-related KPIs as part of their performance reviews and ultimately their compensation and bonus and, and, and all of that. So um, it's, it's, it's a great example of, of just one way to, to have a compliance part of your culture is to make it part of the compensation package and make it real because it does demonstrate to the lower levels, even if the higher levels already know, uh, that, that that is a, a priority for the company and it really needs to be part of the culture. Thank you, Mike and Alex. That's all the time we have. And thank you all for listening. Please tune in to our other podcasts on topics related to risk mitigation and management. You can find them on our website at www.ropesgray.com. And of course, if we can help you to navigate any of these challenges, please don't hesitate to ask. Thank you again.